0: So the month of May and early June is graduation season. We had our college students and then our graduate students graduate first and then now, right now, it's uh, graduation season for our our seniors uh, in high school and so I've been able to go to a couple of them the past week and every time I go to a graduation, it's like a deja vu, really. Like every graduation, although you know a little bit is different. Uh, it's the, basically the format, the content is basically the same. And you have a commencement speaker who's delivering a message to the graduates. And pretty much every message can be summarized in these following statements: You are amazing. Uh, follow your dreams. Don't give up. Be the best person that you can be. Like that's basically the summary of every uh, commencement speech, right? Uh, in other words, they're telling you that as you're moving into the, your next chapter in life, your success depends on you, how you take life, what you do in life, how you pursue happiness. Like, you have to understand who you are. You're amazing, and you can do anything, and you have to reach for those goals. You have to try. You can't give up. So everything depends on you. But if King Solomon, by the way, who was the wealthiest person who ever lived, who also is arguably the wisest person who ever lived other than Jesus, um, if King Solomon was at your graduation, and if he was giving a commencement speech, he wouldn't say, follow your dreams. He wouldn't say, well, you're amazing. What he would say is this, based on his book, Ecclesiastes. He would say that everything is meaningless under the Son. At the end of the day, what matters is that you fear the Lord and that you honor Him. And what he's saying is basically this in the book of Ecclesiastes and in today's psalm. Without God's favor and grace, everything that we do is in vain. Without God's favor and His grace, everything that we do is in vain. That's the main idea of today's psalm. It's not about how great you are it's not about how much you can do or how how talented you are or the effort that you put in. Although those things are all important, at the end of the day, what Solomon says in this psalm is that without God's favor and his blessing and his grace, everything that we do is pointless, it is meaningless, it is in vain. And he points to four different areas of our life in this one psalm. First, he talks about our careers. He talks about our security, And then he talks about the aspect of our rest. And then lastly, he talks about parenting, our children. And um, Lord willing, I would love to revisit this psalm and talk about the last one. But today we're going to focus on the first three. But I think the principle is the same. There's one simple principle that applies to every aspect of our everyday life. And that is, without God's favor... Everything that we do is in vain. First, we need God's favor in our work. Look at verse one, it says this Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now, for most of us, the idea of a house is that we rent a house, we purchase a house, we're not familiar. With uh, building a house, the only house that we built is probably in Minecraft or some other game that we played. Uh, so we're not familiar with, with what it takes to build a house. Uh, but I learned through the Shining Star Vision Center and just being involved in the building process that you need to go through a lot of different steps to make sure that you you build to, to make sure that when you're building a building, uh, you, everything is safe, everything is secure. There's so many permits that you have to receive, permissions that you have to be granted. You have to analyze the different landscapes and strong water management and all of that. Why? Because building a building it involves risk. It involves a lot of labor, it comes with a cost, and it involves a lot of risk. Therefore, when you are building a building, it it means that you are putting in the effort, hoping that there is going to be a result that is pleasing to you. But no matter how much money you put in, no matter how hard you study, what the Bible is telling us today is when you are building a house, ultimately that the, the security and the stability of that house depends on the Lord. And maybe for us, we're not building a house, but we're building different things in our life. For some of us, we're building our career. Uh, There are certain things that we want to make sure that that happens in our life. We put in the labor. We put in the effort. We also involve a lot of risk uh, when it comes to pursuing this career. For some of us, it might be uh, building our families to in a specific way we have a picture of what kind of family we have and therefore we put in the labor and we calculate the risk for some of us if you are a student it's building a good uh, gpa and also a good resume for your next life for some of us it's just building good financial health whatever it might be there are certain things that we invest in and we take risk on in our life and we are building certain things but what the bible is telling us today is this At the end of the day, you might put in the work, you might try to do everything in your power to make things happen, but without God's favor and without his blessing, it is pointless and meaningless. And this could happen in multiple ways. If you just think about some of the building projects that you see in the Bible, number one, the Tower of Babel. How did the labor become in vain? Well, in the Tower of Babel, people were building this tall building to to show off their skills, to reach the heavens, to declare their own glory, and what did God do? he literally stopped the building project. He scattered the people by confusing the language. So sometimes God could literally stop your building project in your life. In other cases, for example, the parable uh, that Jesus told at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about how you can build a house on, on a rock, and you can build a house on sand. And the building itself looks great in the beginning, but over time, because of the 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 lack of foundation or the unstableness in the foundation, that building is going to collapse. So for some of us, we might have a moment where we feel like we built enough in our life, but that can be taken away. And things that we treasure so much can simply collapse in one night. That can be our relationships. That can be our financial stability. That can be our job security. Whatever it might be, that can collapse overnight. God has that power. For some of us, We build something in a meaningful way, but our building turns into something that is distorted and something that is is evil. For example, Solomon, he built the temple so that that temple would be a house of prayer, so that it would declare God's glory among the nations, and Jesus later visits the temple, and what does he say? You have turned my house of prayer into a den of robbers. And even though we work with good intentions Maybe we serve with good intentions, we raise our children with good intentions, we invest in other people with good intentions, but without the blessing and the favor of God, without depending on Him, our good intentions might turn into evil intentions. And lastly, if you think, okay, you can still get away with your building project in life without the help of God... Just imagine what happens in in the spectrum of eternity. In Revelation 14, 13, it says this, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. So in Revelation, what John is hearing is the Spirit is saying that the labor, the works of, of, of the dead are following them. In other words, there's something, if you die in the Lord, if you live and die in the Lord, your works follow you to eternity. In other words, because you are working in the Lord, you are working for things that matter for eternity, you are able to take those things. Compare that with Jesus' parable when it comes to the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man had all the wealth that he wanted, all the food that he wanted, he never shared with anyone else, and what did he take when he died? Nothing, not a single penny he was able to take. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The work that is not in vain is the work that we do only in the Lord, the work that is for the eternal kingdom. And this changes everything because I don't want to waste my life doing a bunch of stuff that it's not, that's not going to count at the end of the day. No, we need God's favor in our work. The second thing that we see is we need God's favor in our security. Look at the second half of verse 1. It says, "Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain." So here the idea is that the watchman is there so that he can protect the city. He's he's looking at the landscape and trying to look for any enemies, any threats, any danger. And so it's this idea that the city is putting these watchmen on the wall to create this safe place. And in the same way, I think we do this in our lives, right? We try to build all these stuff in our life. And then the next thing that I try to do is try to protect it. We try to keep it secure, like whether it's our family, career, uh, our, our, our studies, whatever it might be. We try to protect everything that we have in our possession, our finances as well. But what Solomon is saying is this. You can try your best to protect everything that you have in your possession. But at the end of the day, your strength, your wisdom, your might is not enough. Apart from the favor of the Lord, those things can easily be taken away. That's what he's saying. There's nothing that's secure forever if it's not within the wisdom and the will of God. So we need God's favor in our work. We need God's favor in the aspect of security and protection. Third, we need God's favor in our rest. It says in verse 2, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. And so the idea is that you rise up early for work and you go late to rest because of work. And Solomon says it is in vain, it is pointless, and I can give an amen to that, right? Uh, It means that you shouldn't work all day in a way. Why? Eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, I do have to make something very, very clear. Um, Solomon is not against work. He's not saying that work is evil. In fact, in the Bible, we know that work is something that's godly. It's something that's given to us by God. This is pre-fall in in Genesis 2.15. God put Adam in the garden called Eden, which means pleasure, uh, delights. So this garden of delight, God puts Adam in it. And what does he do? He tells Adam to keep it and work it. So work is something that was given to mankind before the fall. It's not something that was given to us as a result of the fall. We are created to do work for the glory of God. This is why in 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul, as he's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, he says this, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith... And is worse than an unbeliever. So the context is that anyone who's unwilling to work, anyone who's unwilling to labor, to do good for his family, it's to the point where he has denied the faith. He is worse than an unbeliever. So the idea of work is, is, is evident in Scripture. And throughout Proverbs, it talks about how important it is to work diligently, faithfully. Even in Jesus' parables, it talks about how God has given us certain talents, Uh, certain resources so that we can be good and faithful with those resources. But look at what it says in verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. So God is not against work in general. He's against the work that you do because you are anxious, because you are worried, because you are restless. God is speaking not against work, but he's speaking against, against being restless, being anxious. Now, why do we be anxious and why do we worry about about our work especially late at night you know a lot of times if you have an exam tomorrow right you're obviously worried about that exam but you're extra worried if you're not prepared for that exam if you diligently did your work and you faithfully studied throughout the semester then when it comes to your final time you don't have to stay up all night you can simply study and you can and then you can go to peace you can sleep in peace and, and you can go take the exam the next day A lot of times, the reason why we worry in life, the reason why we worry, especially over our work, is because we think if we don't do enough, we're going to fail. We're going to fail ourselves. We're going to make others um, unhappy, and we're going to let them down. We feel like uh, if we don't work hard enough, we will never be successful. And so we try to do more stuff. But here's what God says in in verse 2. He's saying that when you are anxious in such a way when you are always worried about your work, what you're doing is you're simply saying that all the outcome of your work depends on you. That your effort, that your time, your talents, it's, everything is dependent on you. And because of that, you're so worried that you're not doing enough. But if you understand that although you are called to be faithful, eventually God is going to bless your work and he's going to pour your, the favor, his favor upon your work. If you are honoring him in your work, then you can rest that night. You don't have to worry too much at night. If you faithfully put in the work throughout the day, then you can rest at night. If you faithfully put, out the work, put the work in for six days of the week, then you can faithfully rest on the Sabbath day. The idea of work and rest go hand in hand. You can't rest faithfully in the Lord if you haven't worked faithfully in the Lord. And so there's this aspect where we have to work, but at the same time, we have to trust that God is going to work through our work. And one example is this. Uh, often, I, I, I get really anxious when I preach. Um, the night before, I'm always thinking, you know, uh, I really want to be prepared. I want to say the right thing. And early in my ministry, uh, after every sermon, I always try to analyze my sermon, re-listen to my sermon, try to find all the faults. I would ask my wife or other people about feedback because I felt like, you know, if I'm not doing my job, I'm basically ruining ruining the worship service, which partially could be true if I'm unfaithfully preparing my sermons. And if I'm not preparing my sermons, obviously that's going to have an impact on the worship service. But there are days when I feel like I'm so prepared. This message is so awesome. And then the feedback that I get is like, well, that was... The yeah, that, I mean, I, I didn't really understand that message. It was a bit too much. And there are days I'm like, I have no idea how anyone is going to be blessed through this message. And then someone's like, out of nowhere, like super blessed by the message. And the only ex- way that I can explain that is, man, that is a work of God. Like, if you're able to be blessed through that message, man, God must be working. That, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. And so after a point, what I said to myself is this. You know, after preparing to a certain degree, I'm going to make sure I get some rest. I'm gonna sleep. I might wake up a little bit early on Sundays, but I'm gonna make sure that I sleep, knowing that although I'm called to do my best, God is gonna take care of the rest. Because there's so many different factors that come in. I might be preaching the best sermon that I prepared, and you might just had a fight right before the, the service, and so nothing is coming into your ears. Someone might not had a really bad week. And they're so bitter and angry that the Word of God is not hitting uh, their hearts. So there's so many other factors. In some cases, maybe throughout the week, God has been working in your life, and you're so hungry for the Word. So although my sermon wasn't that great, like you hold on to the Word of God, and it is working in your life. And so what I'm saying is this. We have to faithfully prepare and do our work at the same time. We have to trust that God will bless our work when we do it in the Lord. So in every area of our life, we need God's favor and his grace. You know, Solomon is the perfect person to give this type of advice. Why? Because he literally had the biggest building project in the Bible to build a temple. He knew what it was like to establish a city, to protect the city with all the resources. He also knew what it was like to build a family. He also knew what it was like to see his building be destroyed, to see his building kind of be be mistreated. He also knew what it was like for his kingdom to be ruined. It literally split in half after his reign. We also know that Solomon had a lot of issues within his family. And I think that's why at the end of his life, he's saying all this. He had all the wisdom in the world. He had all the wealth in the world. He did all these great things. But what he's saying is this, although I did a lot of stuff without God's favor, the temple is meaningless. The city is meaningless. My family is meaningless without all that and so his 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 wisdom is so profound if he is able to say that if a man with all the wisdom and all the wealth is able to say that how much more should we ask for god's favor upon our lives so how do we apply this text i just want to give you guys a couple application points um simple application is this we work for the lord and we rest in the lord okay we work for the lord and we rest in the Lord. What do I mean when we, I say we work for the Lord? Uh, Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So we have a tendency to say, God, you tell me where to go. You tell me your plan and then I will work. Proverbs 16.3 says, No, commit your works to the Lord first and then your plans will be established. And what does it mean to commit your works to the Lord? It simply means that you involve God in everything that you do. For example, you work with prayer. If you are working, if your job and you are working on uh, different things, maybe you are watching over your children and parenting. If you're doing all that work, but if you are not praying, you're basically taking matters into your own hands. You're trying to do things with your own strength. And what Solomon is saying is that is not wise. Are you working with prayer are you constantly praying on a daily basis for the people that you're working with for the projects that you're working on for your teachers for your professors for your bosses for your coworkers? are you praying for your job so that you can be a blessing within that setting to everyone who you encounter if not then we might be working for a paycheck not for the lord because when we are working for a paycheck we don't need the help of god we just go in and out But if we are working for the Lord, if you want to represent Christ in our workplace, then we need all the help that we can get from the Lord. That's why we work with prayer. And in case you need a place and a space to pray, just know that literally every Saturday we have a place and a space where you can come and and lift up different situations in prayer. So the second thing that we see is this. How do we work for the Lord? We pray, number two, we work with God's standards. Not with man's standards, we work with God's standards. Instead of focusing on what is good for you, instead of focusing on how to please other people and meet the needs of other people, we do things for the Lord. We do things in the right way. Even though your employer might not notice, if you signed a contract, if you said that you're going to do certain things, then you do those things with integrity, with honesty. You do it faithfully. Like I think this is kind of the danger that we have, especially as we are working at home, right? Because we feel like, okay, how little can I work and get, still get paid? That's kind of our agenda. And what God is saying is that no matter who's watching you, whether you're alone or you're around a, a lot of people, just know that God is always watching you, and you're not working to please others or just to get a paycheck. You're working for the Lord, so do it with integrity. Especially for students, I want to encourage you, don't take shortcuts. Don't cheat or plagiarize. Don't, don't just follow the examples of, of the world. Now, God knows our heart. And in the moment, it might seem like you're getting an easy grade just because you're cheating or taking a shortcut. But eventually, that's going to hurt you down the road. Like you're going to graduate and you're going to say, what did I learn in college? Right? And so God, he knows our heart. And although at that moment, it might seem foolish to, to actually stick to God's word and work with integrity, down the road. Know that God will honor you, so commit your works to the Lord. So how can we rest in the Lord now? We talked about how we we can work for the Lord. How can we rest in the Lord? I think we can do a couple things. Number one, we need to use our time wisely throughout the day. We need to use our time wisely. One reason why uh, a lot of us are lacking rest and a, a lot of us are lacking work is not because we don't have enough time. It's because our priorities are not straight. It's because we focus on the things that are not that important. No, we live in a culture where it almost sounds sinful if you say, well, I don't have much to do right now. Like, that, that almost sounds simple, right? Like, you always have to be busy. Like, you always have to say, oh, I didn't sleep uh, last night. I know, I was really busy this past week. And it's almost like this, this sign that I'm worthy. I'm doing something with my life. I'm making most of the opportunity that I have. But what God is telling us is, is this. No, you have to have a healthy, healthy way that you view work. You no, know, if you work 80 hours a week, and to the point where you don't have no time for your family, to the point that you have no time for your marriage, the world will call you a workaholic. But God will say that you're simply lacking work. Why? Because you're simply focusing on one type of work, which is your career, while not investing in the other kingdom work, which is in your family, within your marriage, and within your church. Like We tend to think that if we just focus on the, our job and a career that we are being a workaholic. No, that's not the case. God is saying that everything that you do in your life is work. It's work for God's kingdom. If you're working for the Lord, then even raising a child is considered work. Even being involved and serving within the church body, that is considered work. So do everything faithfully in work. And so if you want to do that, you have to use your time wisely. You have to portion your time wisely. Number two, create a rhythm for your life, I think this is a danger that we have, especially when we have technology, because it's to the point where we can connect to work at any time, anywhere, and we can rest anytime, anywhere. Just for an example, uh, you can be watching NBA finals while answering an email from work. Like, like you, you can do that. On the flip side, you can be in your office and you can be watching YouTube videos for twenty minutes. Like the boundary between work and rest is kind of destroyed at this point if you're not careful with technology. And the reason why that's important is because God created a certain rhythm in our world so that we could rest properly. Now, before electricity, I'm not against electricity, but before electricity exists, it was very clear that after the sun went down, that there was nothing else to do. I mean, you can't go out and party because literally it's pitch dark. And so what do you do? You'd go and rest. You'd get some sleep. So I wonder if there was sleep disorder when there was no electricity. But now we have the ability and the power to actually go on and on and on. And what, that ha- what happens, is it destroys the certain rhythm that God created. The same with the Sabbath day, right? Before, like, everyone rested on, this, on a Sunday. Now we have the ability to work seven days a week. And just because we have the opportunity doesn't mean we should take the opportunity because that destroys the rhythm that God created. God said that I created the Sabbath day for man, not man for the Sabbath day. Man, you need rest. You need to work hard for six days, but on the seventh day, you need to remember the Lord in all his creation, and all his salvation. And so create a healthy rhythm. Maybe for you, that might not mean a nine-to-five job and then resting at night. But what I'm trying to say is make sure on a daily basis, you are sheltering a portion of your time to rest in the Lord, that you are sheltering a day out of your week to rest in the Lord. And the reason why you can do that is because you're not simply trying to do all these stuff to be successful, to make other people happy. You're working eventually for the Lord. And if someone's gonna fire you over that, so be it. Last thing that I wanna highlight is this. How can we protect our rest and really rest in the Lord? Enjoy the gift of sleep. Enjoy the gift of sleep. Just by raising your hands, how many of you slept more than six hours yesterday? Awesome. Awesome. Well, it says that about 35% of Americans don't get more than seven hours a day of of sleep. And so not getting enough sleep is a big issue. It says, though, in verse 2, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So that's how you know that God loves you. He gives you sleep. No, I, actually, I'm, uh, you have to understand the context. Because some people are sleeping way too much, right? <laughs> when God called them to work, you, you, some people are sleeping way too much. The context is this. If you are working hard for six days and you, if you are working for the Lord, then you can rest and sleep in the Lord. That's the context. Like, if you faithfully did everything in your power to live according to God's word, to live according to his standards then at night you can actually sleep. Sleep is a gift that is given to us by God. Why? Because it reminds us of who we are. It reminds us that we can't operate physically without sleep, that there's a limit to what we can handle without taking rest. It reminds us that we are not infinite, that we are not immortal, that we have physical limits. It reminds us that we are actually not God. At the end of the day, we're we're not God. We are People who are dependent on God. If sleep is a gift from God, that means that we are dependent on God, right? So when you sleep, you're reminded that you're not God. Just think about this. You spend about one-third of your life sleeping. One-third of your life. One-third of your life, you have no idea what is going on in your life. You have no idea what your kids are doing. You have no idea what your wife is doing. You have no, unless you're, like, videotaping, like, everything that's happening when you're sleeping. That would be kind of weird. But just think about that. Like, isn't that kind of a scary thought? That for one-third of your life, you actually, it's a blank, like, for you? And what that means is this. In your sleep, you are so vulnerable. Like, you do so hard to build these things in your life, to protect these things in your life, to get rest. But notice that in your sleep, you can't build stuff. You can't protect the family that you love. That's why thieves operate at night, because we are most vulnerable. But when we go to bed, what we are saying is this, God, I trust in you. I'm taking sleep. Now, these next couple hours, really what you're actually saying is this, Like I trust that you're going to keep this world in a safe place. You're going to maintain my life. I trust that you're going to actually open my eyes, and I'm going to have a new day. So on a daily basis, if you understand the theology of sleep, then you understand that sleep is an incredible gift that is given to you by God so that you can trust in Him, that you can understand who He is, because although we need sleep, the Bible says God neither slumbers nor sleep. And that's the good news that we have. That's why we can sleep like a baby at night, knowing that God, that His grace is sufficient and enough for us so. One of the most godly things that you can do for yourself is to create a spiritual habit of getting good rest. Now, this is kind of hard because if you are hungry, you can just go get something to eat. If you are really having a hard time sleeping, it's not like you can just say, "Oh, I want to go to bed," and you fall in, you 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 fall into sleep. But there are certain things that you can get rid of that are distracting your sleep. For example, get rid of your phone. Uh, statistics say about eighty-five percent of adults sleep with their phone in bed maybe that's for the alarm but a lot of times we know that is used for different reasons about 75 percent of children sleep with the phone in bed and so you're constantly connected to the world constantly connected to all these different ideas and all that's going on and maybe you might not be able to fix these things immediately but there are certain spiritual practices that you can take um, to to improve your chances of sleeping so work hard during the day live for god's glory I think one reason we might have trouble sleeping in the, in, in, at night is because we're not doing all that we have to do during the day. Because if we are living for God's glory like throughout the day, then we should be exhausted by night. And so just trust in the Lord. Commit your works to Him. He will make your path straight. And so let's commit our works to the Lord and let's rest in the Lord. In every, every area of our life, we need God's favor and grace. And I'll just end with this. A story that we find in Mark 4 is Jesus, in the middle of a storm, is sleeping on a boat. And so many people ask the question, how is he able to do that? In the middle of chaos, in the middle of confusion, in the middle of the world that's falling apart, how in the world can he actually sleep? And you know that he wasn't just dozing off because in Mark 4 it says he had a pillow. Like he was ready to sleep. Like he was literally deep in sleep. And it says in Mark 38, the disciples, they call to Jesus, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus, he calms the storm, and he simply says this, Why are you so afraid? Have you still have no faith? And so how was Jesus able to sleep in the midst of a storm? Well, in the midst of a storm, although he was sleeping, he knew that his father wasn't sleeping. He knew that he faithfully carried out the work during the day, and so he trusted in the Lord, and he was able to sleep. And that's the assurance that we have. God never sleeps, and he protects us, and his word is sure. So commit your works to the Lord and rest in the Lord. Amen? Let's pray.